read a poem. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Shall We Read a Poem? I'm Russ. And I'm Lauren. And, well, you all know what's happening. There's poems that we need to read, and we're probably going to read them. (laughs) Yep. Of course, maybe one day we will surprise you. (laughs) Today, the the day the poetry died. (laughs) Oh, that sounds sinister. It does sound sinister. Well, I believe, Lauren, that you, uh, you wanted to read Sick. Yeah. All right, let's hear about Sick. So this is one a lot of people will recognize. Sick. I cannot go to school today, said little Peggy Ann McKay. I have the measles and the mumps, a gash, a rash, and purple bumps. My mouth is wet. My throat is dry. I'm going blind in my right eye. My tonsils are as big as rocks. I've counted 16 chicken pox. And there's one more. That's 17. And don't you think my face looks green? My leg is cut. My eyes are blue. It might be instamatic flu. I cough and sneeze and gasp and choke. I'm sure that my left leg is broke. My hip hurts when I move my chin. My belly button's caving in. My back is wrenched. My ankle's sprained. My appendix pains each time it rains. My nose is cold. My toes are numb. I have a sliver in my thumb. My neck is stiff. My voice is weak. I hardly whisper when I speak. My tongue is filling up my mouth. I think my hair is falling out. My elbow's bent. My spine ain't straight. My temperature is 108. My brain is shrunk. I cannot hear. There is a hole inside my ear. I have a hangnail, and my heart is... What? What's that? What's that you say? You say today is... Saturday? Goodbye! I'm going out to play. This was my favorite poem in this book when I was a wee. Yeah, it's a good one. What made you choose sick? Because I was talking with somebody about social isolation and how we've been so very afraid of getting sick from one another, but being away from each other means that we aren't actually passing anything, including the cold, back and forth to each other. And how that is strange to go through uh, more than a year without getting ill. And um, I mean, that's very lucky, of course, that I did not get COVID because for some people it was really bad. But uh, I, I did not get any kind of viral illness that I know of this year. I'm exactly the same. I used to have a a, a pseudo-serious punchline that I got sick exactly two times per year. And now, yeah, nothing. Well, see, I'm the sort of person who gets sick like every other week. (laughs) (laughs) I get get a cold like all the time. I get sick if someone even mentions to me that they have a virus. I'm like, oh, I'm sick now. It's funny, the like with the incidences of mask wearing, how many reports have I read that X location has seen zero instances of flu? This place has seen one instance of flu. Like anything that transmits less easily than COVID is just like having a nice sleeper year. 
Yeah, and I was wondering what this is going to do to influenza next year and the year following. Uh, Like how it's going to be, is it going to be more difficult or less difficult to predict what strains will be going around? I figure they're probably, it probably hasn't mutated that much because not that many people have been getting the flu. Indeed. Man, next year's flu vaccine is just going to be a crapshoot, isn't it? Well, I mean, unless there's just, it might be more clear about which flu strains are dominant because they haven't changed very much. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. When I was small, I had a, uh, I had a, for, for whatever reason, I was good at school, but I would try and avoid school whenever possible. And this is probably more elementary school me. Oh, but, I was the same way. I also I was good at school, but I also was like, I'd really rather not. <laughs> Very guilty of malingering, I was. Yeah, I used to use any any kind of physical uh, <laughs> physical discomfort to try to get my babysitter to come pick me up. <laughs> Do you, now you you would call your babysitter. That's interesting. Well, I mean, who else is going to pick me up? <laughs> you, you couldn't foist it on your parents. Well, my parents worked an hour away. and uh so uh my most common complaint was back pain was lower back pain and like so i did have lower back pain and i still have some and i they mean i have i I think it's due to having mild scoliosis but Mm. uh i realized that i had back pain lower back pain enough that i think my teachers just thought i got my period really early in life and that i was having menstrual cramps and i didn't realize that until much later that me complaining about lower back pain was probably they were like, oh, she's, you know, she's only 10, but I guess she got her period early. I'm trying to think what was it? Do you, do you recall the most ludicrous excuse you ever used to try and stay home? I mean, I was pretty good at two shoes. And so I rarely stayed home. Used, I, I, did, I never really lied to stay home. The only time I remember, I remember getting in trouble for staying home once um, because my grandmother was, uh, I'm definitely a grandma's boy. Like I could pull on Mm -hmm. those heartstrings a little bit. And I remember at one point claiming that my tummy hurt. It completely didn't. Like I was 100% fine. And I was just, my tummy hurts. And then I, uh, and, and she believed me and I got to stay home and I spent the entire day playing like. Not even trying to fake it, like going outside and running around and doing everything that any normal child would. And I recall every now and again, she would be like, Did, wasn't your tummy hurting? And I would have to put on like the most Oscar worthy, oh, oh, it's still, oh, it still hurts, like kind of thing. And I, and, and, and my parents were so mad at me when they got home. <laughs> I mean, that was the thing about kids, though. I think uh, like I could have a fever of 104 and I still wanted to play. A lot of the time, it was just like the the uh, something about uh, when my fever got at a certain amount. I think the the uh, delirium just kicked in, and I was like, "Woo!" <laughs> did Did your parents have a threshold for for staying home? Uh, I mean, I was pretty honest, so it was pretty much I just asked. Mine was I mine was vomit. Mm. Like if mm. you if 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 one threw up, then one was sick enough to remain home generally but it was it was kind of one of those almost catch 22s where it's like all right if you're sick then throw up and prove it and if you didn't throw up then you went to school but if you did throw up they'd be like oh now don't you feel better let's go to school kind of oh no oh that's (laughs) awful oh what a germ factory (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, but man, elementary school is a germ factory. Yeah. Like, uh, oh, I've played that game and golly they are just, what was wasn't that the weirdest thing like when you were in school like there was that from like first grade to about third grade kids would just throw up uh i did that thing? even older than that i remember once i like was i was like coming it was like the end of middle school it was the end of the day in middle school in like sixth grade and i was fine 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 then suddenly i was just like oh no <laughs> oh no and i started trying to get to the bathroom and then i just horked up all over the all over the hallway and then here comes my crush down the hall like and he just looks at me and he's like i'll get help and runs the other way <laughs> oh man i'll get help as though there's any salvaging at that point yeah i was just like i mean i tried oh, man kids are gross kids are really gross did you ever have the thing where you get sick in the middle of the night and then have to go tell your parents? Yeah, lots. Uh, oh, man. That is like built-in birth control. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ew. <laughs> Although I have to say, even though I haven't been getting ill exactly, I there are all these aches and pains in in this poem that I definitely feel a lot more than I'm older. Although I've always had aches and pains. Even as a kid, I had aches and pains. I remember it was around maybe a couple of years ago when I first got diagnosed with sciatica. And I was like, oh, Lord, now I'm officially old. My back hurts. Why? No reason at all. Does it ever get better? Definitely not. Do these well, stretches. I mean, like I said, I, have, I, had low, I had lower back pain when I was like 10. But, uh, but it wasn't as bad as it is now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, to be 10 again and have my back only sort of hurt. Yeah, yeah. Well, also, I think like... I didn't like sitting in those chairs for a really long time. Like, my back legit started to hurt sitting in those dumb plastic chairs for that long. Who is the one manufacturer of school chairs? What color are yours? Uh, the one I'm picturing in my head was, like, thick and orange with a triangle cut out of the back. Yeah, you had the orange ones. I had the blue ones. Yeah. I mean, it may have been blue, but that's something what I'm picturing in my head. If we could go, if we were alive in 1950 and could go back, I would start that industry pouring school chairs into molds and then by the time i ended up at school i'd be a billionaire hmm. yes i yeah i, I realized my timeline was all messed up and it yeah, requires really me to confused. travel through time and also be in school right yeah that's, yeah. Yeah, that's very confusing i love the oh we didn't talk about the adorable illustration that goes along with this oh, poem yeah. so it's just a bed lump it's <laughs> just <laughs> it's just like well there's, the the, there's two tiny eyes poking above yeah. the uh, above the sheet yeah, it's a. Uh, I mean, it's supposed to be a child like under a giant, di- giant, giant uh, comforter, like peering out as if they're so ill they can't even lift <laughs> themselves out of bed. I do like in this poem how the, like the worst symptoms are next door to the most innocuous symptoms. Mm, what are like, you thinking about? Well, in in one point, like she says, her hair is falling out, but also she has a sliver. Hair falling out is a big deal. No, 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 no. That's what I'm saying. Like, like, like in in the poem, like I think my hair is falling out is a terrifying symptom. But then, like just right. before that, you have I have a sliver in my thumb. Oh right. Well, there's a thing about a hangnail in there too. And some of the worst things that have happened to my body have been from like a hangnail. <laughs> is that so? tell? What is a worse thing that that derives from a hangnail? 
uh, I get these like really infected parts of my finger that like get kind of like swollen and postulated and a little bit green. <laughs> Lord. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, what is a uh, okay? Give me a strange illness from which you have suffered. I mean, I've injured myself in plenty of silly ways, but like, <laughs> I don't know if I have an illness that I would consider strange. I, uh, th- this one was weird. I- I've had these since I was a kid, but lately, and I'm talking like in the last couple of years, I kind of just stopped getting them and I don't know why, mm-hmm. but I got to, I-, I worked in an emergency room for a while and I got to identify these four doctors who had never encountered them. Mm-hmm. And this is super gross, but it's something fun to talk about. Um, they are called tonsilloliths. Oh yeah. Just as the, uh. Yes, the, uh, y- yes. <laughs> I learned about them from you because yes. we both had them. It, it, it is an absolutely disgusting condition, mm-hmm. um, and yes, you suffered from them as well. Uh, do, do you do you want to to go into? The, oh no, yeah. you can go ahead. So the, so they are as revolting as they sound. Uh, Tonsillolith. It's your it's your simple medical Latin. Uh, tonsil means your tonsil, and lolith means stone. Because indeed they are impactions and uh, concentrations of bacteria and food particles and mucus and just everything that is wonderful and terrible about the mouth all condensed into a smelly little lump that lives in your tonsil until it comes out and is disgusting. Yeah, they smell real bad. Yes, they do. Uh, so the one part of that is because I and I think you too have this condition which is called cryptic tonsils. Yes. Where the, where, where the crypts or holes <laughs> in your tonsils are particularly deeper than normal. And the fact that there is an average deepness to tonsil crypts is just wonderful and goes into showing how terrible our bodies are. Well, I mean, for most adults, your tonsils tend to shrink up and become not very present at all. But if you have cryptic tonsils, they tend not to. I am jealous of all of you who have had your tonsils removed. Mm. Well... I don't like my tonsils, but, you know, that that surgery looks really difficult and painful. My sister had her tonsils removed as an adult, and yeah. uh, I don't know if it becomes more difficult when you're an adult, but it sure was for her, because golly, that looked like no fun whatsoever. Yeah, and the, and the chances of infection are not good, and you really don't want an infection all the way up there near your brain and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my only brain. Yeah. Yeah, I'd rather. I think I'd rather keep my cryptic tonsils and then uh, as an adult, than try to get them out as an adult. Well, I am going to read uh, today. I'm making a list. Go for it. Make that list. I'm making a list by Shel Silverstein. I'm making a list of the things I must say for politeness and goodness and kindness and gentleness, sweetness and rightness. Hello. Pardon me. How are you? Excuse me? Bless you. May I? Thank you. Goodbye. If you know some that I've forgot, please stick them in your eye. I feel the photo, not the photo, but I feel the drawing adds to this as well. (laughs) It's simply a fountain pen sitting in an inkwell. And the fountain pen is nice and pointy. That's one. I, 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 that is a strange thing that I collect is fountain pens. Oh. oh. 
I don't know why. I just think they're uh, like they're pretty and interesting. My grandma had fountain pens, wrote with fountain pens, and uh, yeah, it's it's just a thing that I have now. Do you but, write with uh, them? I I do write with them. I uh, the, my, the my daily. Where's my daily? Oh, it's in my suit jacket. It's it's clipped to the pocket of my suit jacket right now. For and for any of you connoisseurs out there who are looking to get into fountain pen uh, writing, I recommend your starter be the Lamy Safari. Um, because that will spoil you. It runs about $40, and it writes better than some $300 pens. So, yeah, the Lamy Safari, L-A-M-Y Safari, spelled just like the uh, hunt. Okay. Yes, it's a gorgeous one. But uh, I did not come here to talk about fountain pens, although I like talking about fountain pens. Uh, I chose I'm making a list because, golly, aren't people just extra touchy and angry and rude these days? I'm, I don't know. I still am not seeing that many people uh, or even like casually encountering that many people. So I, I, I don't I don't know whether people are more or less kind and polite right now. Um, I feel kind of feral. <laughs> I was told before coming to uh, Canada that they have a reputation for whatever reason, a stereotype of being nice and polite. Not on the West Coast. They don't. Yeah, I am finding that that like that is a filthy lie because I'm from Texas where everyone is <laughs> like we might be polite but we don't really care about human rights that much and then in Canada they seem to care about human rights but at the expense of kind of feeling like New Yorkers a lot. Hmm. Well, I haven't noticed that uh BC is that much different from the rest of the West Coast. And I guess the West Coast has uh a reputation not so much for being polite, but for being passive aggressive rather than just aggressive aggressive <laughs> like the East Coast. <laughs> Do you have an example of Pacific Northwest passive aggressiveness? You know, I feel like when I first moved from the East Coast, from the East Coast to the West Coast, I had a lot because I was used to the East Coast aggressiveness. Like I remember uh, the first time I stepped out in front of a car on the West Coast. I was with. <laughs> I was with my friend from Boston and we both like took a step off and like ended up for the car. The car just like slowed down, stopped and, and, and waved at us. And we were both like, <gasps> because like on the East Coast, like they would have like cussed, they would have, they would have been like cussing us out, lying, laying on the horn if they even stopped it for us to begin with. And so we were just shocked that they just kind of like, yeah, cool whatever hi (laughs) and so that wasn't really all that passive aggressive because there was no aggressiveness to it at all but uh i I think a lot of people think that if you if somebody has a problem with you on the west coast they won't really actually come out and tell you that they're mad about it whereas they will on the east coast i don't know if i agree with that i feel like on the east coast that they just have more of an issue with people (laughs) (laughs) like like I don't know if uh, it, I, I'm I'm not sure it's that people will like. I think that on the East Coast they're just like more angry, and it's not that on the West Coast necessarily they're they're they won't say that they're angry, although they might not. It's just that the East Coast is very angry. Do people in Portland uh, o- obey crosswalks? Okay, so you have to understand that the uh, every intersection in Oregon is an unmarked crosswalk. Okay. So it doesn't matter whether there's paint or not, you have to treat it like a crosswalk. So if you're, let's say you're about to cross a busy intersection and 
there isn't a walk signal. Will people walk anyway? Do you mean there's no there's no sign at all, or or is uh, it- there? It is it is a four way intersection. Here's a hypothetical. Uh-huh. Okay, it's it's a four way intersection. It's a zebra crossing, so you have proper lines on the street. There are walk, don't walk indicators along with the stoplights. Okay. Yeah. And so, so you come to this. You're, you're walking down the sidewalk, and you come to this intersection. The don't walk indicator is on for you, mm-hmm. but there's no traffic coming. Mm-hmm. Will people cross or will they wait? They may be more inclined to wait. Actually, on that's the West interesting. Coast, they're like in New York, like. They do not care. As soon as you get a mass of people big enough to overwhelm cars, you go across the street. <laughs> because people from Dallas did not care. Like, just okay. cross whenever was yeah. the rule. But in but here in Vancouver, everyone obeys the walk signals. Yeah. And that was and that was really surprising to me. Interesting. Yeah, I think I, I think I do tend to obey them a little bit more on the West Coast. I think in Oregon, because of the unmarked crosswalk rule that when there is something mark it means that you should probably follow it like it's 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 probably fairly dangerous to try to cross in this location or something like that i don't know i do find that since there's more leniency in general for some reason when there are rules i'm more likely to follow them Hmm. i don't know it's 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 an interesting psychological thing because in the east coast i jaywalked fucking everywhere and then (laughs) on the west coast i'm like actually go to an intersection where there's an unmarked crosswalk and take that instead. <laughs> Have you, uh, I, I'm sure you've, uh, it, it made the rounds this summer primarily, the shopping cart theory. Hmm. Did, no. did you encounter this in, in, in the wild? Okay. Oh, okay. Here it is in brief. I just pulled it up. The shopping cart is the ultimate litmus test for whether a person is capable of self-governing. To return the shopping cart is an easy, convenient task and one which we all recognize and as the correct, appropriate thing to do. To return the shopping cart is objectively right. There are no situations other than dire emergencies in which a person is not able to return their shopping cart. Simultaneously, it is not illegal to abandon a shopping cart in the middle of the parking lot. Therefore, the shopping cart pre- presents itself as the apex example of whether a person will do what is right without being forced to do it. No one will punish you for not returning the shopping cart. No one will fine you or shoot you for not returning the shopping cart. You gain nothing by returning the shopping cart. You must return the shopping cart out of the goodness of your own heart. You must return the shopping cart because it's the right thing to do, because it's correct. A person who is unable to do this is no better than a beast, an absolute savage who can only be made to do what is right by threatening them with the law of force that stands behind it. The shopping cart is what determines whether a person is good or bad member of society. <laughs> well... I mean, so here's my feeling about the whole, my motivations. I can only speak on like my stuff with shopping carts is that my reason for returning a shopping cart isn't because it's correct. It's because if I don't, it's more of a hassle for the worker. And you see, you're a good person. (laughs) Well, I mean, there, there are times when I don't. To return it, usually when I'm on a bicycle, where it is where I'm fun, like it, then it becomes really hard because I don't have any safe place to put my groceries. Like I have to load them onto my bike, and then I have to return the shopping cart, assuming that nobody's going to take my groceries or my bags with my groceries in them while I return the shopping cart. So when I'm on my bicycle, I tend not to return the shopping cart, but I do put it aside somewhere where it's not going to be in anybody's way, and it is easy to retrieve. 
That's interesting. We need to add the bicycle caveat to the shopping cart theory and see how yeah. that throws a wrench in things. I it does. Say, it really however, does. There's, it's like it is not. It's not convenient to return a shopping cart at all when you're on a bicycle. I will say though that the Venn diagram of anti-maskers and people who don't return shopping carts is a perfect circle. I bet there's someone out there who is like gives a shit about whether or not a car hits a shopping cart. And I, I want to point out to listeners because this is not a visual medium. When I made that statement, Lauren spent about seven seconds just staring directly at the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I do when I, env- I am envisioning things. I actually just look hmm. at. I just look at like a nothing. Usually, that's a nothing that's up. Well. Do we have any parting thoughts to give our listeners? Well, yes, actually. Um, so on uh, the list, I was thinking about when I was a kid, uh, the same friend who uh, listened to the uh, Shel Silver Scenes Where the Sidewalk Ends album at the babysitter's house over and over. Uh, he and his mom used to have this sort of sing-song rhyme they would do. It was, yes, dear, no, dear, stick it in your ear, dear. And it reminds me very much about this poem. My dad had a similar thing uh, where you would say, uh, instead of thank you very much, you would say thank you very little. Oh, I like it. And the correct response to thank you very little was you're welcome even less. I like it. Well, everybody, thank you very little for listening. You're welcome even less. (laughs) 